Walters is open for every U.S. Women's World Cup match, including this Sunday morning's 5 a.m. start. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. two strikes. Now the kick. Here's the pitch. Swing a ground ball. Chopped to third. They're going to throw home. The throw is wide off the glove of the catcher. Rolling the backstop. Here comes Vargas to the plate. He is saved! Two runs score on a ground ball to third. And a wild throw to the plate. And bang! Zoom! A curly W's in the books. The Nationals out of the field to celebrate. They bomb Alex Cole for putting the ball in play and chopping it to the third base side. A curly W in the books. The final score, the Washington Nationals three, the Milwaukee Brewers two. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Thursday is the Nats' first scheduled off day since July 20th, but the Nats on Wednesday packed about two days worth of stuff into the one day. First came a 3-2 walk-off win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park to win two of the three games in the series as the Nats overcame a 2-1 ninth inning deficit with a two-run bottom of the ninth. But then shortly after the game, but long enough (laughs) to where reporters already had spoken with Davey Martinez and Nats players, the team announced two significant moves. So the team announced that it had optioned second baseman Luis Garcia to AAA Rochester, and the team announced that it had requested unconditional release waivers on outfielder Corey Dickerson. Neither move necessarily shocking, but each move certainly a significant move. This episode is sponsored by Montgomery County Little League. Montgomery County Little League, two wins away from making the Little League World Series. Visit mclittleleague.org for more information. You know, Mark, I was reminded of a similar situation 12 years ago, June 2011, a weekday afternoon, a walk-off win, this one over the Seattle Mariners, and then afterwards, the famous resignation of Jim Riggleman. I don't know if we're about to see Luis Garcia or Corey Dickerson at Caddies in Bethesda, but this ended up being quite the Wednesday afternoon for the Nats. Yeah, I hope I never experienced another day like that one was, Al, because that was an all-timer catching everybody off guard and obviously had some serious ramifications for the organization. This one, maybe not quite as serious of ramifications, but it did bring a very different tone to the end of a day 
that had some wild swings of emotion. I mean, I'll be honest, for eight innings watching this game, I'm thinking this is pretty dry. There's not a lot going on here aside from a good quality start by Mackenzie Gore and just a complete lack of offense from the Nationals. And then they put together a bizarre bottom of the ninth rally, and we'll get into the details of it, but it really didn't include anything all that hard hit. And it probably had more to do with the Brewers blowing it than the Nats winning it, but they still managed to pull it off. And in the clubhouse, everybody's in a good mood. They win another home series. And then 30 minutes later or so, we all get back to the press box and we get the announcement of the roster move. So sort of a wild day and some pretty big swings of emotion in both good and bad ways at the end of this one. So in terms of these moves after the game, the most notable one clearly is what has happened here with Luis Garcia, him optioned to AAA Rochester. He really has been struggling lately. We've talked about that. He, for this season now, has an OPS of 655. He had an atrocious month of July. His OPS for the month of July, just 551. But still, to see him optioned to AAA, I mean, we know the deal, right? He has been positioned to be the team's second baseman of the future. Nothing's guaranteed. He has never been viewed, you know, as like some supremely high prospect, but he certainly has shown glimpses of being a quality second baseman. He, for the most part, has played pretty well defensively this season. The advanced metrics for him defensively are mixed. But what do you make of this move and this move being made now, this optioning of Garcia now post the trade deadline, just two months left in the regular season? It seems to me like there's a message being sent here from the organization to say to Luis Garcia, uh, hey, you need to clean this up. You need to get back on track. You are not secure. Don't get too comfortable here. Even when you're struggling, yes, you're a young player. We're going to go through some ups and downs. But what's been going on here over the last month or so is not going to cut it. And nobody is safe. Nobody's secure. So I think there's more to that. You know, you can say, does he really need more time at AAA to figure things out? Not necessarily. But if it's not happening at the big league level, maybe sometimes a guy needs a little kick in the pants. It reminds me a little of Victor Robles being sent down a few years ago. Now, that ultimately did not work out so great, although Robles had played well this year before getting hurt. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Luis Garcia responds to this. Does he take the right approach? Does he work on the things that he needs to work on? And ultimately, do they call him back up? It's not like there's somebody waiting in the wings to take over that job that's going to leapfrog him. If he performs, he's going to get another chance again up here. But it is a reminder that nobody is safe and you can be considered a prospect, but if you're not performing at a level that is expected of you, your job is in jeopardy. And that's what happened to him here. So what now at second base for the rest of this season? Darren Baker, son of Dusty Baker, second baseman, AAA Rochester, OPS is 740 on the season as we are recording this. I mean, do you think it's possible he gets called up? Do you think we just see a bunch of Ildemaro Vargas at second base? Are we about to see more Michael Chavis at second base? Like, what do you think the team is going to do at second base for now? So Darren Baker's name is the one that I immediately thought of. And especially when you consider the Corey Dickerson move, that opens a 40-man spot for him. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. My colleague Jesse Doherty of The Post has reported that they're calling up Jeter Downs who we saw very briefly up here and didn't really play at all. A former top prospect of the Dodgers and the Red Sox, whose career has not taken off. He's not put up good numbers at AAA, but he is already on the 40-man roster. And I would imagine he's going to get a look. I don't know if that's going to be as an everyday player. If we're going to see some of Vargas and Chavis, maybe a combination. 
Maybe this is a temporary move and eventually we are going to see Darren Baker before it's all said and done. I don't know the answer to that, but it looks like at least for now, Jeter Downs is the one who will replace Garcia on the roster. Playing time still to be determined, I would guess. So Luis Garcia, this is only his age 23 season. He is very young, but this is his fourth major league season in terms of having played in parts of four major league seasons. He has accumulated 1,170 career major league regular season plate appearances. His OPS over those 1,170 plate appearances is just 679. You're certainly not set in stone when you've had 1,170 plate appearances, especially when you're still in just your age 23 season. But, you know, the sample size on him as a major league player is growing. When you combine that with the fact that, like I said, he has never been this supremely highly regarded prospect, and you also throw into the mix how initially this guy was up and down and up and down, minors, majors, majors, minors, in terms of, you know, how the Nats were handling him. Do you think that we could be seeing the end of him being viewed as the second baseman of the future? Not that the Nats are going to cut him after this season, but that the Nats are going to go into next season with some competition, some legitimate competition at second base, or at least with a mindset of, it's not just the Luis Garcia show at second base anymore. Yeah, I think there's certainly opportunity for that to be the case. There's another player in the minors, Trey Lipscomb. He's at double A. He is a third baseman by trade but is now starting to play second base because Brady House, of course, was moved to third. He's really highly thought of in the organization. He's not big league ready yet, and it may be a while until he is, but that would be another name to keep in mind in the long run. Darren Baker, maybe at some point, gets his opportunity given his performance. Like I said, I think the Garcia move, this reminds me of Robles and how they handled that a couple years ago, where sort of by default, he was the guy here. And was given a lot of opportunities and reached a point where he wasn't performing anymore. They said, all right, well, we need to send a message here. We're going to send him down. And now it's up to you to earn your way back up. I don't think they're just going to hand it to him after 10 days or two weeks, whatever it is, in the minors. I think he's going to have to show some progress. But short of an obvious replacement there who is clearly better than him, I don't think you just give up on him altogether. You know, I'm sure that he's going to be in the organization and almost certainly at spring training next year and just a question of whether he's competing for the job or not. But two things. I'm really interested to see how he handles this, what approach he takes to it all. And I'm interested to hear, we're going to have to wait till Friday now to hear from Davey Martinez and anyone else as far as the thinking behind it, what message they're trying to send and what their plan is now moving forward, both for the rest of this year, but beyond that as well. Do you think that there is an attempt here to humble Luis Garcia. In other words, do you think that this isn't just performance related, that this is potentially attitude or work ethic related? Because, you know, this is a big move to make. Again, post-trade deadline, you're basically at this point playing out the stretch of this season. You don't have an obvious person to play at second base. Do you think what's going on here is more than just Luis Garcia's uh, dwindling OPS for this season? Yeah, that's why I called it a uh, trying to send a message, I think, in some ways. And, you know, I don't know the specifics of what they told him. And I don't think he has a bad attitude or anything like that. But you could see how pretty much since he was brought back up last summer, I think it was. Remember, he was their shortstop for a while. Then he got hurt. They moved him to second base once C.J. Abrams arrived. I mean, he's been secure ever since then. It's never really been a question 
of whether he was playing for his job or whether there was a chance of him being sent down. So you can get a little too comfortable in that spot. And so I think this is a reminder to him that, no, hang on a second. You're not as secure as maybe you may have thought you were. You need to work on this. You need to show us that you're going to take the right approach to it. I think that's as much a part of it as you know what the numbers say. Now, the numbers have not been good. I'm looking at since June 30th, a 198 batting average, a 229 on base, 275 slugging percentage. That's not going to cut it. Now, remember, he was bumped down. He had been hitting second for a long time. They bumped him down to the eighth spot when C.J. Abrams moved up and Lane Thomas was put in the two spot. He has not responded well to that, but I think the move was justified because he already was not hitting when they made that move. He was hitting second kind of by default as well. So he's got work to do. And, you know, this can go one of two ways. He can either go down there and sulk and not view it the right way, or he can go down there and say, okay, I need to clean this up. I need to get things right, take the right attitude, work on the things I need to work on, and I'll be back up. We've seen this go both ways with players in the past, and now it's up to him to determine what the end of this story is. Well, you think about the pre-rebuilding generation of supposedly promising young Nats position players, Victor Robles, Carter Keboom, Luis Garcia, where we were a few years ago, where we are now, to very different places. With Corey Dickerson, I don't know that there's a lot to say. So this is just a free agent signing that did not work out. The Nats, this past January 10th, announced having agreed with Dickerson on a one-year contract, uh, what was a one-year $2.25 million deal, age 34 season. So he's an aging player. He, for this season, has an OPS of just 637. He, of course, has been in a timeshare and left field with Stone Garrett. So do you think that we're just going to see a lot of Stone Garrett the rest of this season? Or do you think uh, we might see some other guys out there and left? Well, there's always been this question of, will they start calling up some kids to play in the outfield before the season is over? I don't expect the big names yet, but there's another report, I think, from Grant Paulson of 106.7, the fan that Blake Rutherford is going to be the guy to replace Corey Dickerson. Now, Rutherford's a 26-year-old, not a Nats draft pick. Uh, he had been in the White Sox organization and the Yankees prior to this, but the Nationals had picked him up and hitting really well in the Myers this year, 341 at Harrisburg, 349 at Rochester. All told, it's a 978 OPS in 62 games between the two levels this year. He bats left-handed, so that kind of fits in with the Corey Dickerson thing. So maybe another platoon, him and Stone Garrett. I think they've wanted to see more of Garrett, but let's be honest, against right-handers, he hasn't done a whole lot. Against lefties, he's been good. He is showing that he can be one half of a platoon when he gets to face lefties. But against righties, it hasn't been all that great. So we may be getting a look here at Blake Rutherford in that role. And we'll see. I mean, a lot of this is just sort of biding time for the big names to be ready. James Wood, Robert Hassel, obviously Dylan Cruz, they're not ready yet. Could any of them be ready before the end of the year? Yeah, it's possible. But I don't think they would force that issue and call them up before they believe they're truly ready. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention Wood, but you know, his OPS for AA Harrisburg is sub 800. So he's not setting the world on fire there yet. I do think that that will change. But it's not like he's screaming and kicking down the door right now to be summoned up from, say, AA to the majors. But yes, that day, we presume, will be coming, and perhaps sooner rather than later. This episode of Nat Chat is brought to you by Montgomery County Little League who are two wins away from the Little League World Series. 
This summer, the Nats and the Little League World Series converge in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as they play the Phillies on Sunday night, August 20th. Fall registration is now open for Montgomery County Little League. They offer top-notch recreational t-ball, baseball, and softball leagues for all kids ages 4 to 16 that live or attend school anywhere in Montgomery County. Umpires needed. Ages 14 and up earn $65 a game. Training is provided. Sponsorship packages begin at just $550 to support a team and have your organization listed on a team's jersey. Go to mclittleleague.org for all the information you could ever need, including rules, umpire info, and how to become a sponsor. The path to Williamsport begins at your local Little League. Check out mclittleleague.org today. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, the heat, the humidity, the sky-high temperatures, uh, they all are here. And all of this is forcing your air conditioning into overdrive, leading to ultra-high energy bills. The solution, new windows from the folks at Window Nation. And Window Nation right now is offering a sensational deal to listeners of the Nat Chat podcast. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, no money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off your order. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. You've been thinking about getting new windows. Now is the time. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gore has his sign from Adams. The 2-2 delivery. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Well, what a job by Gore to limit the damage. He strikes out three Brewers in a row to strand runners at second and third. So Milwaukee will get just one thanks to that terrific escape there from Gore. We have these two moves announced after 
the game on Wednesday afternoon, but we also did have the game, and it was a walk-off win over the Milwaukee Brewers. That's when two of the three games in the series. Brewers are in the midst of a battle with the Cincinnati Reds for the National League Central Championship, so it's not like, you know, the Brewers are some, you know, rebuilding team or anything like that. Brewers are a pretty good team, and the Nats took two or three games in this series, overcame a 2-1 ninth inning deficit, two runs in the bottom of the ninth, an inning in which, yes, the Brewers were very much co-conspirators. The Nats in this inning scored two runs on a single a walk and two Brewers errors. The game ended on an Alex Call bases-loaded fielder's choice grounder to third baseman Andrew Monasterio, who in throwing home committed a throwing error, allowing Corey Dickerson and uh, pinch runner Ildemaro Vargas to score. Dickerson had reached base via a fielding error by first baseman Carlos Santana. And then also in the inning was a Dominic Smith opposite field check swing single to left field on a 1-2 pitch and a K-Bert Ruiz pinch walk to load the bases with no outs. So this was your classic two-run ninth inning for your 2023 Scrappy Nets imposing this inning was not, but effective this inning was. So, all right, here's the thing. I'm going to give them credit. They had some good quality at bats, regardless of what the results were going to be. I thought they, for the most part, all did a nice job of working the count against Williams, forcing him to throw strikes, forcing him to get the ball up in the zone, which they were trying to do. This guy's got the most devastating changeup in baseball, perhaps. They call it the airbender. There's not a lot of hard contact, obviously. The hardest hit ball was actually Dickerson's grounder to first that led to the first error. Dom Smith's single had an exit velocity of 69.9 miles an hour. And Alex Call's game-winning fielder's choice, I guess is the official term for it, was 76.1 miles per hour. But I thought the Cabert Ruiz walk was big. That's something we don't always see from him. He can get jumpy up there and reach for pitches and ground the ball in double plays. So that was a good quality at bat. The result's great in the end, but I think the process that got him there was pretty good. And so I'm going to give them some credit for that. But yeah, obviously, if the Brewers do what they're supposed to do in the field, this game might still be going <laughs> for all we know, or they may have actually won the game two to one. Not a whole lot of loud contact, certainly in that game winning rally. This was not a very good offensive series for the Nats. I mean, the Nats in this game on Wednesday afternoon, three runs, five hits, uh, which were a double and four singles. Nats did draw four walks. Dominic Smith did have a single and two walks. The Nats' other run came in the bottom of the third. Alex called a leadoff double down the left field line on an 0-2 pitch. And then the Nats' new RBI man, the new third baseman, Jake Alou, he and that Nats' one-run third inning, a first-pitch RBI single up the middle to tie the game at one. So Jake Alou, two games uh, since being called back up to the majors by the Nats, and he has had an RBI single in each game. But, you know, it's a funny thing with this whole scrappy Nats thing. <laughs> you don't say that about a team that's good offensively, right? Like, that's something that you say about a team that doesn't generate a lot of extra base hits and that has to score in ways other than homers. Like, ain't nobody calling the 2023 Atlanta Braves the scrappy Braves, you know what I mean? So I get the moniker, and I don't blame Bob Carpenter at all for using it. Like, I think it's a fun thing. But the idea is you want to graduate out of being scrappy, okay? Because scrappy in a lot of ways is like a backhanded compliment because it's like, way to go, little guy. You know, it's like, that may be a nice thing that you're saying, but of course, you're also sort of making that person look a certain way when you say that. And I feel like scrappy is, yeah, they don't hit many extra base hits. So if they score, they have to score in these quote unquote scrappy ways. Yeah, backhanded compliment was the term I was going to use myself before you said it. So yeah, look, offensively, they did not do a lot in this game. There were a couple good at-bats in the third inning 
Alex Call double, Jake Alou, RBI single. That's nice to see. But then Call comes up with the bases loaded in the fourth, chance to do something there, and he swings out of his heels and strikes out. And they did nothing from that point on. They had one base runner from the fifth through the eighth, and then you get to the ninth, and again, they cobbled it together. But let's consider the lineup they were throwing out there <laughs> in this game. You've got C.J. Abrams leading off. We know he's been very good lately. Lane Thomas batting second. Great season, but he is slumping over the last month. Joey Manessis as your DH, your number three hitter now. Stone Garrett hitting cleanup against the lefty. Dom Smith, who is very valuable defensively, but offensively, we know he only provides so much. Riley Adams hitting sixth. Alex Call hitting seventh. Jake Alou hitting eighth. And Michael Chavis hitting ninth. So, that's not exactly murderer's row there. We know that. And with Jamer Candelario gone, there is not a lot of proven thump in this lineup, and they're going to have to find some ways to get it done. I would love to see, especially from the young players, some more good quality, hard contact, extra base hits. You'd love to see Abrams and Ruiz in particular do that kind of thing. But you understand that that may not be their best path and the most likely path to this happening. And so they may have to scrap it together to try to win games. They've pulled it off in this one. I don't know this is a formula for a whole lot of success. I think there are going to be a lot more nights over the final two months of the year where we are lamenting a very weak Nationals lineup. You just hope they get the pitching and the defense to at least win some games with it. Dominic Smith this season has a chance to do something that is so hard to do his on-base percentage right now is almost the exact same as his slugging percentage. Just to capture the extent to which he is not hit for power, but actually has gotten on base. He has an on-base at 340, which is pretty good, but his slugging is 347. It's one thing to have something like that early in a season when you get all kinds of funky stats because of the small sample sizes. Here we are now more than two-thirds of the way into the season, 340 on base, 347 slugging. That is exceptionally rare that you could threaten having the same on-base percentage as you have slugging percentage for a season. So quite the quirky thing that we could be in the midst of seeing here. Especially for a first baseman. <laughs> I mean, they're talking about the prime position for put your best slugger at first base. So I would be fascinated to know if there's ever been a first baseman with a higher on-base percentage than slugging. You probably have to go back quite a ways to find a guy who did that in the old days when it was not viewed as a power position. But this is who he is. They're going to keep playing him because they do believe the defense is important enough. And he did play a good defensive game, saved a couple errors, I think, from Jake Alou in this one. But offensively, you're going to get walks and singles from him. You're not getting power from Dom Smith at this point. No, you're not. He is a what you call dead ball era for a spaceman. This would have played well 100 years ago, but unfortunately, uh, it's 2023, not say 1923 or 1903. Anyway, the scrappiness from the Nats was fun on Wednesday afternoon, but the number one reason that the Nats had this walk-off win was their pitching, especially their starting pitching. Mackenzie Gore was really good. And, you know, if not for what happened after the game with the roster moves, Mackenzie Gore is probably your lead topic here. Gore on Wednesday afternoon, he was good. He had one of his better starts in a while here. You know, he's been up and down lately, but Gore in this game, two runs, six innings. He gave up just three hits, a home run, a double, and a single. He issued two walks and a wild pitch. So, you know, Gore had been in that mode of putting guys on base. That was not an issue in this game. He had five strikeouts. He threw 89 pitches. So it's not like he was, you know, laboring a ton, 55 strikes versus 
34 balls. Mackenzie Gore in the top of the second, allowed a run on a two-out solo homer by Tyrone Taylor to left for a 1-0 Brewers lead. And Gore in the top of the sixth, allowed a run, but I think that this inning is instructive. So he issued a leadoff walk of the Brewers' number eight batter, Bryce Terang, who then advanced to second on a wild pitch. Gore then gave up an infield single by Joey Weimer on a well-hit grounder to C.J. Abrams deep in the hole. Gore then gave up an opposite field RBI double by Kristen Yelich in the left field foul territory for a 2-1 Brewers lead. This was not some double like off the left field wall or anything like that. And then Mackenzie Gore generated three consecutive swinging strikeouts and three consecutive swinging strikeouts of the Brewers numbers two through four batters. The heart of Milwaukee's lineup all went down swinging against Mackenzie Gore in this inning. William Contreras, Carlos Santana, and Willie Adamas. So a really strong finish by Mackenzie Gore to his outing. So before the ninth inning, as I'm writing my game story and preparing for what I think is going to be the end result, I was fully prepared to, even if it had been a 2-1 loss, to declare this a positive day for the Nationals because of what Mackenzie Gore did. I thought this was a really impressive start for him. He was efficient through the first four or five innings, especially. He only had two strikeouts prior to that last inning. He was getting quick outs, which is not something we generally see from him, but he did a nice job of all that. And then, like you said, that sixth inning sequence I thought was so important. The run he gave up, not really that much his fault. Weak contact, infield single, a jam shot double, like you described with Yelich. But think about in that moment. We know that Mackenzie Gore can get really down on himself when something doesn't go well. We know young pitchers can have a tendency to let things spiral out of control. And instead, what he did is he flipped it on his head and he struck out the next three batters. It turns out the last three batters that he faced. And he did them all on fastballs. We've seen when he's at his best, at his best outings this year, he's done that kind of thing. Finish strong with fastballs. That is, to me, the mark of a future ace. Now, he's not there yet. We keep talking about this. He's got a long way to go, a lot to prove. But Starts like this and the way that he finished the start is what gives me reason to believe that Mackenzie Gore can ultimately be the frontline starting pitcher that they believe he's going to be. I think it's going to be so interesting moving forward. Who does end up being better, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray? And, you know, of course, what you want is for both guys to be great. But when the Nats first got good, a fun thing to look at was Steven Strasburg, Jordan Zimmerman. And while it was Strasburg who was more highly regarded and more highly touted, if you actually go through and look at some of those seasons, like 2012, 2014, Zimmerman was better than Strasburg was in those seasons. Like if you do the compare and contrast, statistically speaking, Zimmerman, especially in 2014, Jordan Zimmerman was the ace of that 2014 staff, not Steven Strasburg. And so you can get kind of a back and forth when you have two guys like that. And obviously things with the Nats, you know, change, Zimmerman leaves, Max Scherzer comes in. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun. If these guys can be who we hope that they are, you know, you can maybe have this anything you can do, I can do better type thing with Gray and Gore. They go about things in different ways. They're different pitchers, different people. But each guy in his own sort of way is feeling like someone who's going to end up being all right. The question is like, how all right will the guy be? But a game like this one was nice to see from Mackenzie Gore. Like I said, he had been up and down. But, you know, you feel good about what you see and, and you think about what you could be seeing down the line. Right. And I think there have been enough of these this year, similar kind of starts or moments within starts that make you say, aha, there it is. That's what they see in him. That's why they believe he can end up being great. And let's not forget Kate Cavalli, who, of course, has to come back from Tommy John surgery. 
but certainly has the stuff, the makeup, the ability to be a frontline guy himself. If it works out and all three of them are healthy and productive, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Really so much of their future hopes hinge on those three guys living up to what they're supposed to be. Wednesday was August 2nd, one year to the day of the Nats acquiring Mackenzie Gore in the mega trade of Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres. So happy anniversary, Mackenzie, a uh, nice commemoration of the anniversary. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Capert Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat's Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfis. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nats Chat. Beyonce is performing at FedEx Field on Saturday, August 5th, and no surprise, it is expensive. We can help, though, by using the special promo code for Nats Chat with the Game Time app. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for events like this one for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Alou, lefty on lefty here, the pitch. Swing a line drive up the middle, base hit into right center field. Call racing around third, he's going to head home, he's going to score, and this game is tied. Nationals won, Brewers won. Jake Alou picked up his first big league RBI last night. He picks up his second here today with a first pitch single up the middle. Bringing home call after the leadoff double. Let's credit the Nats bullpen for its work in this 3-2 walk-off win over the Brewers. Three Nats relievers combined for three scoreless innings. Jordan Weems, one and a third scoreless innings. Jose A. Ferrer, two pitches, two outs. How's that for efficiency? Came into the game in the top of the eighth with a run-run first, one out, and the Nats down 2-1. And he, on his second pitch, induced a 3-6-3 double play off the bat of Kristen Yelich and then Kyle Finnegan a perfect top of the ninth. I'm going to be very careful with what I am about to say. Nobody can have any real major trust in this Nats bullpen, but the bullpen has kind of calmed down a little bit, and it feels like some normalcy has been restored, and it feels like the bullpen isn't the like absolute mess that it was a few weeks ago. Like Right now, you look at the last few weeks, there have been some good games with this bullpen. We are seeing some good things from some of these guys. And maybe, just maybe, the waters have calmed. And things maybe aren't as bad as we thought that they might be. We'll see. Yeah, I think you're right. That Cubs series was obviously the low point when it felt like it didn't matter who 
they put out there, it was all going to fall apart on them. And since then, it has stabilized. I think Finnegan has really been good since Hunter Harvey got hurt and stabilizing the back end of the bullpen. I think Jordan Weems has been good. I've liked him. I like Ferrer. I know he's had a couple of blowups here and there, but he's also had in this series two instances where he came in with runners on base and got a double play to get out of the inning, one time on one pitch, one time on two pitches. There's something there to like and possibility of him developing into something. Joe Lasorsa had a good inning the previous night. They just added another lefty we didn't get to see in this game, Robert Garcia, who was a waiver claim pickup from the Marlins. So there's been a lot of turnover there, obviously, and they're getting a look at a lot of different relievers. You don't know how it's all going to turn out, but over the last seven to 10 days, it's definitely been better than what it looked like prior to that point, because what it looked like at that point was all-time bad bullpen, and they're certainly not in that same realm right now. Yeah, the Nats on uh, Wednesday morning announced having optioned Hobie Harris back to AAA Rochester and having activated this lefty Robert Garcia. The Nats on Tuesday afternoon announced having claimed Garcia off waivers from the Miami Marlins. So the Nats do get this off day for Thursday. Next up is a three-game series at the National League Central leading Cincinnati Reds. Game one Friday evening, 640. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two Saturday afternoon, 410. The Nats starting pitcher officially is to be determined. This would be the Trevor Williams turn in the rotation. He technically uh, is still on the bereavement list on which he was placed on Monday afternoon. And then game three at the Red Sunday afternoon, 140, Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Is the assumption that Trevor Williams will in fact be the starting pitcher for game two? That is the assumption. Davey said that they expect him to join them in Cincinnati, but they weren't prepared to say anything yet. We obviously don't know exactly what Trevor's been dealing with with his family. But I believe, barring some extenuating circumstances, you're only allowed three days on bereavement leave. So his time would be up at the end of the series. And we'll see how that goes. If it's not him, I'm not really sure who else it would be. If he's not ready to come back, they're not in a great position right now to have a fill-in starter. So hopefully everything's going fine with Trevor and we do see him on Saturday. But as of now, it's not official. We thank our sponsor for this installment of the Nat Chat Podcast, Montgomery County Little League. Montgomery County Little League, two wins away from making the Little League World Series. We'd love to see that. Visit mclittleleague.org for more information. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. Email the show, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online as well at natschatpodcast.com, where you can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the music of the Nats Chat Podcast. Visit his site, timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. In the pinch, Morales swings and hits one in the air to right. Hernandez back, reaches up, and he can't get it. Yo-Yo on the go with an RBI double. And welcome to Fredericksburg, Mr. Morales. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.